on wisdom, wisdom that works. We thank you for your word, and Lord, I decrease that you would increase, empty myself of myself, so fill me with yourself, that everything that I say to you, every thought that enters my mind would be of you and not of me. We pray this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, <clears throat> amen. If you have your Bible or Bible app, turn to Proverbs chapter 31, Proverbs chapter 31. We're now on, well, the last part, part 32 of our series, Wisdom That Works, and this is it, right? This is the last part, and I hope you all enjoyed it, been challenged and changed by it, and that you have grown in wisdom in your walk with God because of it. Amen? Now, before we even dive into the text, I want to do a quick review from last week's text, which is all of chapter 30. I gave you seven points last week, and the first point of last week's text was the writer. Say that. And that's in verses 1 through 3 of chapter 30. And the sayings of Augur, the son of Jacheh, an oracle, it said in verse 1, this man declared to Ithiel and to Ithiel to Ucal, or Ucal. And so he's writing to Ithiel and Ucal, who were most likely his friends, most likely his students, and he offers simple, Augur offers simple yet profound observations about God, about life, and about the natural world, but his own knowledge seemed like nothing when he thought about God. The second point was God's wonders, say that. That's in verse 4, and Augur asks five questions, and these questions are intended to magnify the majesty of God in a prophetic picture, and I love this, a prophetic picture of Jesus, right, his incarnation. And we don't know what, to what extent his, um, to what extent he prophetically anticipated the Messiah, but he knew that God had a son and that the son had, had a name. The third point was God's word, say that. That's in verses 5 through 6, and uh, verses 5 through 6 is a declaration of the infallibility of God's word. His word is tested and found to be pure, pure right? Found to be pure, true, improved. And every word in the full counsel of God is flawless, a flawless. But it's also trustworthy. Augur says he is a shield to those who take refuge in him. In other words, he is a shield to those who run to him and who run to his word. In fact, God's word doesn't need any improvement, right? Right or addition to it or subtraction from it. In fact, uh, Augur says if you tamper with it, with God's word, God will rebuke you and prove you a liar. The fourth point was Augur's prayer. Say that. And that's in verses 7 through 9. And he wanted to receive uh, these two things on this side of eternity. And the first request, you might remember this, was to keep falsehood. He says to keep falsehood and lies Far from me. So he wanted to be a man marked by integrity and marked by truth. The second request was that he doesn't want to have so much, so much that he turns away from God, and he doesn't want to have so little, so little that he steals or does something stupid. He doesn't want to profane God's name. He he wanted to be satisfied, say satisfied, content, say content with God's provision in his life. You might remember verse 10 was an isolated verse, and it says, Do not slander a servant to his master, or he will curse you, and you will, pray, and you will pay for it. So this has to do with harsh, harmful, hostile, unfair criticism spoken to another about a third party who's not present. The fifth point was sinful generations. Say that. That's in verses 11 through 14. An evil generation does not love nor honor their parents who thinks themselves uh, morally pure yet remain in a state of sin. They're prideful and arrogant, and they oppress and exploit the poor. We see that today, don't we? The sixth point was numerical saying. Say that. Numerical saying, 
found in verses 15 through 31. And there, Augur points out four things that are never satisfied, points out four amazing things, four things the earth finds unbearable. He points out four small but wise, right? Uh, things, four things small but wise and, and four impressive mighty things. The seventh point was self-restraint. Say that, self-restraint, verses 32 to 33. In other words, if you have been blowing your own horn, tooting your own horn too much, or, or planting evil against someone, Augur says, put your hand over your mouth and keep quiet. And if you don't do that, you will get bad results as when milk goes sour or a nose bleeds from too much pressure on it. This now brings us to today's text. The title of my message is Christian Womanhood. Say that. Now say it with more enthusiasm. Yeah, awesome. Two points of our text. If you're ready, say yes. Point number one is a godly mother's counsel. Say that. A godly mother's counsel. Write that down. We're going to look at verse 1. It says, The sayings of King Lemuel, an oracle his mother taught him. So this begs the question, who is this King Lemuel? Well, there are three different thoughts to who he is. The first thought, some believe that this is actually King Hezekiah. The second thought is others believe that Lemuel and his mother are fictional characters created by Solomon as a picture of, of an ideal king and the ideal queen mother. The third thought I tend to lean toward this one, which in fact most com commentators and, and Hebrew historians believe, is that Lemuel is Solomon. Say Solomon. And that the name Lemuel was given to him as a pet name or a nickname by his mother Bathsheba. Lemuel means, listen now, I have dedicated him to the Lord. Say that, I have dedicated him to the Lord, which takes us right into verse 2. Look at verse 2. O my son, O son of my womb, O son of my vows. It might be rendered as this, the answer to my prayers. And what comes to mind is Hannah. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 11, write that down, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 11. Hannah, we know this, right, could not have a child. And she made a promise to God that if she got pregnant, she would dedicate her child to God, to serve God all the days of his life. Well, Bathsheba might have made a similar vow to God as she says, O son of my vows. You guys with me? Now, what she does is she gives her son Bathsheba, she gives her son wise counsel to, to guide him through life and life's challenges. So let's, let's move forward. Look at verses 3 through 9 with me. She, she writes, do not spend your strength on women. In other words, loose women or flusies, okay? A floozy, right? She says, your vigor, in other words, energy or vitality on those who ruin kings. So what she does, she warns him against the problem of sexual immorality, right, impurity, uh, infatuation. And she says, stay away from sexual sin because, son, it will destroy you as a king. Be careful who you yield yourself to. Be careful who you pursue. Verse 4, it is not for kings Lemuel, not for kings to drink wine, not for rulers to crave beer. Verse 5, lest they drink and forget what the law decrees. In other words, a temptation to disobey the word of God and deprive all the oppressed 
of their right. So this is why, listen now, friends, this is why a leader, say leader, needs to stay away from alcohol because alcohol clouds judgment. And the king, a leader, is responsible for other people. So a king and a leader have a special reason to refuse strong drink, alcohol. A king, a leader, is to be a person who makes correct, say correct, decisions not impaired by alcohol. Now listen, the higher you go in leadership, the greater your personal responsibility. And that's her point. Verse 6, give beer to those who are perishing, wine to those who are in anguish. Verse 7, let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. So we know that in biblical times, alcohol was a sedative to ease the suffering or to dull the pain of the dying person. And also for those who were, were depressed. But when the effects of the alcohol wore out, the depressed people were no better often before. Verse 8, speak up, say speak up. For those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute, speak up, say speak up. And judge fairly, because you know that at that time, kings were also judges. And judge fairly, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. So she tells him to speak up and administer justice for the poor and the needy. To stick up for the less fortunate. She tells him to help the disabled and to defend the defenseless. So you ready for the lesson? Here's the lesson. Listen to mama. Someone say amen. Listen to mama. Why? Because her mouth speaks great words of wisdom. And it springs from her nature. It's inspired by her heart. It's characterized by her unselfish devotion and guided, say guided, by the knowledge of God's Word. I'm reminded of a story of this man who had a conversation with President Dwight D. Eisenhower, and he said, Mr. President, you have known every great man of our time. Who's the greatest man you ever met? And without an instant's hesitation, he said, the greatest person I ever met wasn't a man, it was a woman. It was my mother. She never had much schooling, but she was wise in God's wisdom. She went to school to the greatest of all books, the Bible, and she acquired real wisdom. When I think about that, I think about my mom and my wife. They, they have such great wisdom because they're women of the Word. Amen? And I love the fact that Solomon's mother, Bathsheba, had the heart to give him wise counsel. And I believe she got that wise counsel and that wisdom from the law, the Word of God. Amen? So a godly mother's counsel, and, and point number two, we're going to spend most of our time here, is a godly mother's character. Say character. Write that down. A godly mother's character. Now I want you to follow me here. In, in, you might remember this. In chapters 5 through 7, it talks about the wicked and moral woman. Remember that? In chapters 19, verse 13, chapters 21, verse 9, and verse 19, in chapter 25, verse 24, in chapter 27, verse 15, it talks about the contentious, nagging wife. But here in this chapter, and I love this, the book closes with a glorious, a glorious tribute to the godly, dedicated woman 
who brings honor to God and joy to her family. Can someone please say amen? Now, now the final section of Proverbs is an acrostic, uh, a, a poem, if you will, a poem in which each verse begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, this is one, I love this chapter, this is one of the most poetic, beautiful portions of Scripture in the entire Bible. You guys with me? Now, I need to say this before we move forward. If you are a lady, this is the blueprint, say blueprint, of what kind of things, of what kind of things God wants to produce in your life, whether you are single or married. If you are a single man, this is the lady you ought to be looking for. With me? You guys with me? If you are a married man, if you are a married man, this is the kind of lady your wife can be, can be, your wife can be, if you love her like Jesus loves the church. If you're married to a lady like this, the one in this chapter, be thankful for it. Thank God you have her. Amen? So let's move on. Verses 10 through 11. A wife of noble character who can find. A wife of noble character who can find. I want to stop there. This is speaking of a woman of excellence, one of moral strength, one who is virtuous, honorable, upstanding, upright, uncorrupted, ethical. Now, this doesn't mean it's impossible to find a wife of noble character. That's impossible to find a virtuous woman. It just means that she's rare. Let's read on. She is worth, say worth, far more than what? Rubies. A wife of noble character is a greater treasure than the riches of the world. Listen, a man who has a good godly wife will also have a good life. Why? Because, listen now, a good godly wife is better than great wealth. You got a good godly wife, that's, I mean, that's better than, than riches. Verse 11, her husband has full confidence, I love this, in her. The Amplified Bible renders it like this, the heart of her husband trusts, they trust in her confidently and relies on and believes in her securely. I love that. So her husband has full confidence in her, and I love this, and lacks nothing of value. Lacks what? The value. The New American Standard Bible renders it like this. He will have no lack of gain. So lacks nothing of value, or as the New American Standard Bible renders it, he will have no lack of gain. So follow me here. The Hebrew word uh, for value or gain is shalal. Say that. Come on, say shalal. It means plunder, plunder. So the point here is that he will be rich and bountiful as the spoils of war. In context, it means this woman enriches the life of her husband. And he lives with a sense of well-being. Her, her character, say character, and competence, say competence, provides a safe haven for his heart. I love that. You see, he lacks nothing. Say he lacks nothing. Lacks nothing of value because of her. Because of her worth. Now, verse 12, let's look at that. This completes the thought of her competency. It says she brings him good, not harm. 
all the days of what? Her life. So she's dedicated to her husband. She's in, in it for the long haul. She's committed to him. She's loyal. Say loyal. All she says and, and all she does is meant to support him, to, to build him up, to encourage him, and also to affirm her husband, always seeking his highest good. And this is why a man who is married to such a woman as this can trust her and believe in her securely. Follow me here. Listen now, friends. She doesn't compete with him. She doesn't compete with him. She compliments him. She doesn't hinder him or harm him. Rather, what she does is she helps him all the days of what? Her life. In other words, her desire to do him good covers an entire lifetime. Huh? In other words, she's thinking about him, committed to him, staying with him until death separates them. She brings good to him. She enriches his life. And what he lacks, what he lacks, she provides. In other words, she completes him. She completes him. Bottom line is this. She's a blessing, not a burden. Question, wives, do you help your husband or do you hinder him? Think about it. Are you a blessing or burden? And the woman like this helps her husband, doesn't hinder him. She blesses him, doesn't bring, is not a burden upon him. Verses 13 through, 13 through 22, if you're still with me, say amen. Verse 13, she selects wool and flax. That word flax is another word for linen. linen. In other words, she makes sure her family is dressed well. And then it says this, and works, e- works with eager hands. In other words, she enjoys her work. She doesn't complain about it. She does it. Verse 14, she is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. In other words, friends, she loves to shop. She loves to shop. And what she does, she selects good food. So what she does, and I love this, she travels until she finds the best deals. Right? She's wise when she shops, gets the best deals. Verse 15, she gets up while it's still dark. She provides food for her family and portions. That's another, that should be directions, directions for her servant girls. So it tells us here that she's, what, an early riser. She works hard. She feeds her family. She gives directions to her maidens for the projects of that day. So this is her energetic, work-oriented schedule. The bottom line is this. Listen now. She's not lazy. She doesn't sleep in all day. She gets up and she gets to work. She's not lazy. Verse 16, she considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. So she's shrewd in business. She's a businesswoman. She invests what she makes. Now this suggests that her husband trusts her to make major decisions. Why? Because she's thoughtful in her purchases. She's financially responsible. You guys with me? Verse 17, she sets about her work vigorously. Her, I love this. Her arms are strong for her tasks. So in other words, she's not a sissy. Okay? She's not a sissy lala. Not afraid of hard work. 
And what she does, she gathers up her skirt and she rolls up her sleeves to go to the field. She works out. She's got yoga pants. All right? She's got strong arms, so, so be very careful when you arm wrestle with her. Are you guys with me? Verse 18, she sees that her trading is profitable, and, and listen, and her lamp does not go out at night. In other words, I love this. She plans ahead. She's prepared. She makes sure she has properly fulfilled the duties of the day. Lamp does not go out at night. She fulfills her duties of the day. Verse 19, in her hand she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. In other words, she sews. She sews. Verse 20, she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hand to the needy. That's self-explanatory, right? She's compassionate. And what she does, she extends her generosity to the poor and to the needy. And we see that that's an ongoing theme in in the book of Proverbs, right? To reach out to the poor and needy. Verse 21, when it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. So in other words, what she does, she prepares for the future. Got that? Her family is dressed warmly. Verse 22, she makes coverings for her bed. In other words, her house is decorated well. And it says this, she she is clothed in fine linen and purple. She not only gives attention to her house, but also to herself. Now, I want to stop there because after reading all of that so far, some of you ladies are just about ready to faint, right? Like, wow, man, you know, can I, can I keep up with that? Well, verse 23, we now turn to her husband briefly. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. So I thought about that. I started laughing because she's doing all kinds of stuff, and this guy's sitting at the city gate, just sitting. But this is where the leaders of the city hung out. It wasn't really a gate. It was an entryway on the side where they met. So this tells us that her husband is considered a leader in the city. This also tells us, and I love this, that she, she's a strong boost to her husband's career. You guys with me? That that saying right behind every good man is a great woman? Well, that's true. And this kind of woman produces this kind of man. And he's there at the city gate, a leader because of her. In chapter 12, verse 4, you might remember this, chapter 12 of Proverbs, verse 4, it says, a wife of noble character is her husband's crown. I love that. But, it says this, a disgraceful wife is like decay to the bones. This is the bottom line here. How a woman lives her life will affect her husband. Got that? How she lives her life will affect her husband. One of the greatest evidences of a man's ministry is his wife. His wife. Their marital relationship. Verses 24 to 25. Verse 24, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. So, in other words, she has an eBay account. In modern terms, she's business savvy. She still has a huge responsibility at home. We know that, right? Which she doesn't neglect, but she has a career. Career woman. Verse 25, she is clothed with strength. I love this, and dignity. She is clothed with strength and dignity. I want to stop there. You see, she's secure in who she is, not what she wears. 
It's not what's on her, but who's inside of her. Right? Not what kind of chariot she drives or in modern terms, car she drives, but who drives her? Who steers her life? She doesn't depend on, listen now, on fancy clothing to be a somebody or to be successful. She wears strength and dignity. She's secure in her position. You see, she's more concerned about her inner heart than her outer appearance. Now, I want you to write this down, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 4. Some of you might be familiar with this passage, but there in 1 Peter 3, verses 3 through 4, Peter writes about the outward adorn, adorning, adorning excuse me, of extravagance and the inward adoring, adoring, adoring of the meek and the quiet spirit. And, and Peter writes this, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, and putting fine apparel. Rather... Okay, that's not bad. Do that, but rather let it be the what? Hidden person of the heart. With the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. In in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 9 through 10, Paul there, what he does, he commands women to wear modest apparel. And, and listen now, and to depend on spiritual beauty and not the artificial beauty of the world. Now, I want you to hear my heart here, okay? I think that women ought to look nice. I think that women ought to look beautiful. They ought to take care of themselves, okay? But they should be more concerned about their inner heart and inner beauty. C- can I get an amen? You see, this is about the virtuous woman not about the voluptuous woman. Got it? The virtuous woman's main concern is the inner, the inner heart, the heart, the inner, not the outer, to to clothe herself, listen now, with strength and dignity to be a woman of honor that people would see God in her life because her beauty is within. She's secure in who she is in the Lord. And though the years may have changed her body, though the years may have changed the color of her hair, though now the years have added some wrinkles to her face, her beauty is in the Lord. And it only grows greater and stronger as she gets older. She's clothed in strength and dignity. Now I want you to notice the result of that. Let's read on. She can laugh slash smile at the days to come. In other words, she has no worry about the future. In other words, listen now, she's ready to face anything with God. Got that? Because she's clothed with dignity, honor, right? Beauty, honor. She can laugh and smile at the days to come. Not worried about the future. God's in control, right? And she's ready to face anything that comes her way. Because she knows she has God. Amen? It comes to mind as my mom. She's an amazing woman. Verses 26 to 28, she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. The Amplified Bible renders it like this. She opens her mouth in skillful and godly, say godly, wisdom. In other words, she's well-versed. She's well-read. She's not arrogant when she speaks to other people. On her tongue is the law of kindness. Her words are filled with 
grace. Verse 27, she watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. I love this. I love this. In other words, she's an alert watchman over her home. You guys with me? She guards her home, listen now, against the enemy. She monitors, say monitors, what enters into her home. In other words, she's the moral, the moral manager. Got it? She watches over her children. She's vigilant because she knows that the enemy, the devil, the enemy, is finding ways to influence the family to evil. So she's aware. Say she's aware. She's aware of what her children are reading. She's aware of what her children are watching, what her children are listening to, and who they're hanging out with. That's the mama right there. Amen? She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Now notice the result of her exemplary life in virtuous, godly living. Verse 28. Her children arise and call her what? Blessed. 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 Her husband also, and he what? Praises her. Praises her. Huh? Listen, some people behave, some people behave in public, but they don't behave in private. They don't behave when they're at home. But this woman, because of the text, not only behaves in public, but also in private. Her own family sees her in private, and they see what they see is a virtuous, godly mother. And she not only points, listen now, her family to God, but by the power of her words, okay, by the power of her words, but also by the force of her example. So it's not only through word, but also through deed. So therefore, they arise and call her what? Blessed. Blessed. Verses 29 through 30. Many women do noble things, but you, you surpass them all. Verse 30, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. It fades, but a woman who fears the Lord, say what? Who, who what? Fears the Lord is to be what? Praised. By the way, did you know that in the Jewish home, these two verses, uh, 29 and 30, are, are traditionally spoken every Friday evening in the Shabbat. Say Shabbat. That's the Sabbath meal. Okay, it's spoken every evening in Shabbat, the Sabbath meal, by the husband to his wife. So before they eat, he stands up in the midst of the children at the table and says, many women do noble things, but you, you, honey, sweetheart, babe, okay, things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord, that's you, that's you, babe, is to be praised. Now, because she has relied on God all her life, she is more beautiful at the end than at the beginning. In other words, her beauty will never fade because it comes from the inside out. Look at the text again the end of it, 
But a woman who fears the Lord is to be what? Praise. This is the secret of her life. This is it. The secret of her life. She fears the Lord. And because she fears the Lord, she is to be praised, right? She fears, respects, reveres. She honors God and seeks to obey Him and His Word. She loves Him. Now, I want to say this. The text is not warning, is not a warning against good manners, charm, and good grooming, beauty, but against relying on outward appearance because charm and beauty are superficial. She doesn't depend on charm. She doesn't depend on beauty, but instead she what? Fears God. So you guys ready for the lesson? Here we go. Inner beauty comes from knowing God. Got it? Inner beauty, which the world doesn't care about. They're all about the outer, right? But inner beauty comes from knowing God. True beauty is of the soul, not of the face. You guys get that? Now, this is a question to everyone, not just to the ladies, but to everyone here, the men as well. Question to everyone. Which do you think about, which, what's now, which do you think about more, the state of your soul or the state of your wardrobe? Huh? What steps have you taken recently to improve, listen now, to improve your inner beauty, your heart, the beauty of your soul? Well, if you want to do that, listen, friends, if you want to work on the inner beauty of your heart, your soul, spend time with God. Spend time in God's Word. Spend time in prayer. Amen? And when I see a a woman or a man with that inner beauty, that godliness, I see a man and a woman who spends time with God, who floods their life with God's Word, and is on their face praying daily. Amen? Inner beauty comes from knowing God. Verse 31, we're almost done here. Give her the reward she has earned, and let her works bring her praise at where? Where? The gate. So in other words, her fame spreads throughout the city, and she enjoys the reward she has earned. Hey, a woman like this deserves recognition. Deserves recognition. She deserves the fruit of her labors. She deserves, listen now, the praise at the place where others are honored and recognized. Amen? I mean, this is such an amazing, poetic portion of Scripture. We can go on and on if you want, but you got to end soon, right? Now, if after studying this whole chapter, all 31, verse, all 31 verses, this seems more like superwoman than a real woman, right? Right, ladies? Think about it. And, and it, could be, it could be that the author is describing not one particular woman, but the life of, an, of any godly woman who supports her husband, loves her children, takes care of her family, and uses the gifts, her gifts and her talents to bless them and also to bless others. So she's the kind of wife a woman should be and the kind of woman a man should choose to marry. You see, this is a worthy model for every woman, for every life. I mean, if you could break it down, right here what we have in this chapter is a woman of loyalty, a woman of industry, a woman of modesty, and a woman of spirituality. 
That's the woman. So as we wrap this up, question, ladies. Which attributes of this noble, virtuous woman most impress you? Let me ask you this. How does your life stack up against hers? Think about it. How would your friends answer that question? And finally, which of her qualities would you most like to develop over the next few months? Well, study this passage. Learn these principles. Ask God to make you a woman of noble character because the praise she received, listen, look at me, ladies, is also meant for you. Amen? Let's all stand. Father, we thank you.